Welcome to the Buckeye Beef Bite. This is Clifton Martin with Ohio State University Extension and the OSU Extension Beef Team. This is episode one of a six-part series we are bringing to you here in winter 2021. To find more, look for our episode releases on the OSU Extension Beef Team newsletter at beef.osu.edu. Check show notes for the links, references, and a transcript, or to leave any suggestions or comments. And with that, we'll jump right into our program today. I'm here with Garth Ruff, OSU Extension Beef Specialist, and our guest today is Mike Omstutz. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello, Clifton. Uh, we have several questions for you, Mike, but first we want to set some context. You work at the Agricultural Technical Institute here at OSU, uh, which is up on the Worcester campus. Uh, can you tell us some about what you do and what your role is there? Yeah, hi, good morning, and thanks for having me today. Um, um, I've been a professor at the Ohio State ATI Worcester campus for about 22 years now, and my role has been an instructor in the animal sciences area. Um, I have 100% of teaching appointments, so I primarily teach courses in swine production, uh, beef production, and then I also teach some courses in livestock health. Um, I'm also responsible for teaching what we call farm management courses, uh, food animal resource management. Um, so these are courses where we actually use uh, the Grace Drake Agricultural Learning Laboratory to teach students the day-to-day -day management of those types of operations. And then lastly, I kind of oversee the internship program. So we have an opportunity for students to do internships in various parts of the animal industries. and. Um, we can talk more about that if you want to later, but um, they can do internships basically anywhere on any type of operation or any business that's related to animal agriculture. And so that's something that I also oversee. Dr. Olmstead, sounds like uh, you're pretty busy and pretty involved uh, with teaching students at the ATI campus. Um, through your teaching, what are some of the trends uh, as you look at the livestock industry that you think will have a uh, significant impact in the next five to 10 years? Uh, that's a good question. There's a lot of things that uh, I tried to follow. Um, some of the, the bigger trends that I've seen, you know, in recent years, one of the things that happened a few years ago, I'm sure, as you know, are the increase in uh, feed costs. And that led us to uh, trying to identify cattle that are more efficient. And so I think there's been a big push recently to try to, to measure the differences in growth rates and feed efficiency of cattle. Um, so production efficiency and, and obviously cost control is always going to be an issue. Uh, so those are some things that I watch. Some of the newer trends are, are focused around precision, precision agriculture, excuse me, uh, particularly with uh, things like facial recognition, uh, being able to identify sick animals through some of the increased technology we have. Um, they now make boluses, for example, that you can put in the rumen that will, you know, regularly update you on cattle temperatures. Um, there's also some ear tags that do similar types of things to help feedlot producers identify cattle that might be running a fever. So some of this technology that really boils it down to the individual animal and the care of that individual animal uh, is something that I think we need to watch in the future. Uh, a couple other things I, I keep an eye on um, because one of 
the reasons I do is because I teach the animal health class is any advancements in disease, uh, new disease development, uh, new vaccine development, uh, and then any new preventions and treatment. Uh, for example, this morning, I just saw an article on a new um, potential treatment for um, homunculus concordus in uh, sheep. So that's something that I will incorporate into my classes for this next semester. And then lastly, something I think we always need to be cognizant of is, is foreign competition. What, what are our competitors doing? So those are kind of some of the key areas I watch. I'm sure there are many more, but those are kind of the ones I, I kind of focus on. Certainly sounds like, uh, you know, with what you highlighted there, record keeping uh, should be a top priority for some of our producers and looking at programs such as beef quality assurance um, as it relates to animal health uh, and, and the well-being of our cattle. Uh, looking more specific to here in Ohio, you know, what what's unique about the livestock industry or the beef industry here in the state? Um, and what resources do we have at uh, the Worcester campus to help support Ohio's beef industry? Yeah, another good question. Um, the thing about the beef industry here in Ohio is it's quite diverse. I mean, we've got beef producers basically represented by the Amish population uh, all the way up to, uh, and we really don't see the, the big vertical integration here in Ohio, but there's, there's some larger producers in Ohio that have several thousand head of cattle. So uh, there's quite a diversity of, of what's going on and, and, and types of operations. Um, most of the industry in Ohio is obviously the cow-calf sector, but there are some some feedlots around, especially some of the the people now feeding out some of the Holstein cattle. Uh, so that's a, another little twist that we have to kind of pay attention to. Um, as far as the second part of your question, what resources do we have at OSU to help support the beef industry? Obviously, we have ATI. Um, that's near and dear to my heart because that's that's where I have my primary role. Uh, and we attract students from all over the state of Ohio, and even some students from out of state. Um, I know I have some this year from Pennsylvania and Michigan uh, and, and West Virginia. But, um, you know, we can provide some unique types of training to these students in the, in the few years that they're at Ohio State ATI uh, that you just really can't find at too many other campuses. In addition to that, right next door, our neighbors, the, the OARDC, Ohio Agricultural Research and Development Center, uh, they're doing world-class uh, research there at that facility uh, in beef cattle and other species. But, you know, so we have a world-class research facility right in our backyard. And so uh, being able to pair with them and do some cooperative things is really advantageous to us as a program. And one other thing I'll throw in there that uh, someone that's been a great partner for our program in recent years is the Certified Angus Beef Program. Uh, their headquarters is here in town, and we have a great working relationship with them, uh, and we do a lot of cooperative things together. And then, obviously, lastly, there's the OSU Beef Extension Team. Uh, they're readily available to provide producers with any, any up-to-date information that they, they might need. So, Mike, I understand there's some new uh, beef cattle facilities at the ATI campus. Can you expand on those just a little bit? Yeah, about six or seven years ago, I think we had uh, constructed a Temple Grandin design handling facility. And to the best of my knowledge, there's only two of these in Ohio. Um, it's a beautiful facility. Um, we can handle uh, about 150 cow-calf pairs in there at a time. Um, but it's, it, again, like I said, it was is 
it was based on a Temple Grandin design, and we consulted with her and her team uh, during the construction of that facility. Uh, it works very, very well. Um, animals flow through there easily. Uh, for example, yesterday we bred 91 cows in about three hours. Um, so it, it's just animals flow through there a lot easier, especially if you know how uh, animal movement works. The other thing that we've just recently constructed uh, this past summer, it was completed, is a new monoslope building uh, to house our feedlot cattle uh, primarily during the winter time, since we're a fall calving herd. Uh, but we we can house them uh, year round in that facility. So now that the the steers are gone, we can put cow calf pairs in there if we need to uh, to, to kind of save on some pasture management. So uh, we're really excited about these new facilities. They they seem to be working very very well. Um, everyone that sees them uh, thinks they are, are, are pretty much state-of-the-art. So uh, that's something that we've needed for a long time. Excellent. Now, you mentioned the Temple Granite Handling Facility, you know, being state-of-the-art as far as handling cattle. Uh, what, what do you think beef producers uh, need to consider to improve animal handling uh, facilities and operations on their own farms? Yeah. Um, one of the things I think happens is once somebody mentions animal handling, the producers immediately think of facilities. And one of the experiences myself and our herdsmen have had, and we discussed this yesterday, uh, is a lot of students come to campus and they really don't understand what animal handling is. They, they really don't understand uh, what a flight zone is or what a point of balance is and how you use those tools to calmly and effectively move cattle. And so one of the first things we do right out of the box in the in first laboratory is we actually do an animal handling exercise. And I, I group the students into small groups and I give them uh, typically a group of four heifers or steers and I have them move those animals through an obstacle course uh, just to see if they understand that how you position yourself and, and where you position yourself uh, can dramatically influence how that animal moves. And over the course of that laboratory, I think they really come to see that there's a, there's a lot to be said for understanding how a flight zone works and, and what a point of balance is. Most of the people that I encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, they come from the club calf industry, and, and that's a great industry, but those cattle are, you know, they're holder broke, and so they move in a different manner, and they behave in a different manner than, than animals that are not, and so understanding cattle handling uh, is the first step. And then we can go on and talk about facilities after that. Um, you know, I personally have my own operation where I raise some cattle uh, and I've done that for a number of years and I've had nothing more than a head catch. Um, so uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. Uh, the thing I like to say in class is it needs to be functional. Um, the facility we have here, I would consider fancy, but uh, you don't really need that. There are some other tools out there, something as simple as a bud box. Uh, for those producers that may not be familiar with that, if you, you Google that term, you can find some really great examples of uh, simple bud boxes uh, you, you can construct with a series of gates. Um, so that's something that I think, you know, as far as a low cost alternative to, um, uh, for an animal handling facility, that's something I would approach. Um, and I'm thinking about putting one of those here in, in my own facility, even though I do have a, a cattle chute now. Uh, I think a bud box is, is a pretty handy tool for working and sorting animals. 
Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. You know, as I work with producers in the eastern and southern part of the state, it seems like facilities are often the limiting factor, you know, adding value to our cow-calf operations. And as far as castration and preconditioning calves and those sorts of things, uh, so I think there's some, certainly some opportunity there, uh, not only from the economic side, uh, but just, you know, low stress handling, the benefit to the animal and to the producer themselves. During your time at ATI, what changes have you seen, you know, in the way that we handle cattle uh, in facilities or just over, you know, overarching aspects of the beef industry from a teaching standpoint? Well, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the facilities that we see on farms are, are kind of outdated and antiquated. Uh, a lot of them tend to be older facilities that have been constructed from wood. And if they're not maintained properly, they tend to deteriorate and fall apart. Um, that's part of the reason, actually, that we ended up with a new facility is, is that one of our handling facilities uh, was just not functional anymore. Um, so how has it changed? I'd say we, we've moved a lot towards um, more metal in the construction of facilities. Um, there are a lot of advancements actually in, in animal handling facilities. There's self-catching head catches now. Um, there's, there's turret gates. Um, again, those are for probably some of your, your larger operations, but you know, those kind of things make it not only safer, but less stressful for, for animal handling. Um, and some of these operations that, you know, um, we've seen around the country, I take students on field trips during some of our classes and we go to, to different places around the country. And some of the facilities, the animal handling facilities we've seen are just phenomenal um, in some of the advancements that they have. So it really helps, like, like I said, not only in low stress animal handling, but also making it safer for the, the operator as you actually don't have to be in the alleyway um, with the cattle. You can kind of be uh, separated from them. Mike, I'm going to jump in here and, and uh, go back to talking about students and um, just uh, some of the things that you focus on in teaching. You mentioned internships at the top of the interview, and I thought we could go back and revisit that for a moment. Um, you know, wh what are some of these opportunities that exist through your program at ATI, and, and what do these internships look like? Okay, that's a great question. Um, a lot of different opportunities here. And so when students come to me and they ask about internships, uh, the first question I ask them, I uh, turn it around on them as I ask them, well, what kind of career do you think you want to have once you leave here? Uh, because an internship is a great way to get your foot in the door for those types of careers. And so I, I traditionally ask them a couple questions. You know, do you want to be in the cow-calf sector? Do you want to be in the stalker backgrounder sector? Or would you prefer to be in feedlot? Uh, are you interested in nutrition, reproduction, genetics? You know, what field are they particularly interested in? And then I can kind of help guide them as to where they might look for internships. Um, I do like to see students try to find internships on their own, but if they need help, I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. And, and students, depending on which of those career paths they select, um, you know, we've had students go all over the United States, uh, particularly if they want to get that large ranch experience uh, or the feedlot experience, those students traditionally look more towards some of the Western states. And so these internships can be done anywhere in the world. Um, but the thing that, that happens is they, they get a lot of experience there. Um, they make great contacts in the industry. They get paid and they get college credit all at the same time. 
So uh, an internship to me is is the first stepping stone in your career. Um, and a lot of times what happens is if students go out on their internship and they do a good job, they will actually get a job offer from that employer. So that's a, a great way to get yourself started in the industry. Do you find, um, again, just as, as you're working with students, you know, are there particular key themes? I, I think you mentioned a few here as, as we've talked, but uh, just a few key themes that you focus on, uh, you know, as you work with students, making sure specific things that they know and understand uh, about raising livestock. Yeah. In addition to the animal handling, which I think is one of the first things they need to learn. Uh, there are some other things I really try to focus on. Um, I try to, I, I mentioned a lot of our students come from that club calf background. I really try to give them an appreciation for what the commercial beef industry is. I mentioned I take students on those, those field trips. We usually take a week and go out west, uh, and we've covered almost every western state except for some of the northern ones, simply because of when we take the trip, the weather is, is somewhat inclement. Um, but we take them out there and show them some of these things to show them how the commercial industry on a larger scale is much different than what most of them have experienced. Um, and, in in Ohio, most beef producers, uh, it's not their primary occupation. In other words, it's an avocation. It's something they do for a hobby. I mentioned I raise livestock. I do it as a hobby. My primary, you know, uh, career track is as a professor, but I love cattle and I love other livestock and that's why I raise them. Um, but to do that for a living, you really understand, you need to understand how to operate it as a business, a true business. Um, some other things I try to emphasize during some of the courses is that uh, open or, or non-productive animals are, are just money pits and you need to get rid of them, uh, they will, will drain your profit faster than about anything else. So, you know, narrow breeding windows, um, keeping those cows calving all in a, in a narrow window is something that we really strive for. You know, I mentioned we bred the entire herd yesterday. So uh, we'll give them one, possibly two more chances, but we really try to keep that into a 60 day uh, calving window. The other thing I, I see a lot of is a lot of producers across the United States, not necessarily in Ohio, don't preg check cows as, as much as they should. And those open cows are just real uh, money pits, like I mentioned. Um, third thing, um, I like to give students an appreciation for all the different careers that, that are out there in the livestock industry. And I mentioned some of those during the, the internship section that we just talked about, so I won't go back into those. But uh, there are just tremendous numbers of opportunities. You know, most people think that, you know, production is, is the only opportunity, and that's just not true. There's so many other things. There's reproduction, genetics, nutrition, sales. Uh, there's just so many different things. I'll just give you a, a brief example here. One of my former students actually went on to be an auctioneer, and he is extremely successful. Um, so that's something you wouldn't normally think of as an agricultural career, but uh, that's something that's obviously very available. And then lastly, the thing I try to impart to students is that, you know, learning is a lifelong process and agriculture is constantly changing. Um, the field of beef production is constantly changing and you have to stay up to date with what these these trends are. And, and, and not every trend and, and tool is going to be useful on your operation, but some of them will be. And it's your job to figure out which ones are going to work for you and which ones aren't. 
Yeah, Mike, I think you hit on a lot of key themes there that are important, not only for students, um, but it really should be take home messages for hopefully a lot of the producers that listen uh, to this recording today. Uh, you know, as a talk about profitability, talk about the different sectors, um, including handling of the industry. Um, just very good overview of, you know, some things we sh need to look at, take a deeper look at as producers uh, here going forward. Um, so I certainly appreciate your time to that you took the talk with us here today and I'll turn it back over to Clifton. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Garth. Appreciate you both uh, taking the time to do this. And uh, we're going to we're going to sign off here and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. This is Clifton back again with a few closing notes. As a reminder, we have more episodes in this series, which we are releasing through the OSU Extension Beef Team newsletter. And that can be found at beef.osu.edu. If you have suggestions or comments or anything you would like to share with us, use the comments and suggestions link in our show notes to let us know how we are doing. These comments help us out and help us make sure we are finding resources that are useful for you, the listener. This was episode number one of the Buckeye Beef Bite. Thanks for listening.